Hey, fellow mathers, do you have limited classroom time? Do you want to make the biggest, best impact on your students that you can? Then you need to start here with the Math is Figureoutable Challenge. It's three one-hour sessions of the quickest and most powerful ways to reach the most students with the most math. We're having special guest Jenna Labe. Mark your calendars for May 15th through 17th at 7 p.m. Central and watch this space to find out when registration opens. If you can't make those times, you'll want to register anyway so you can get access to the session recordings. And now, on to the episode. Hey, fellow mathematicians! Welcome to the podcast where math is figureoutable. I'm Pam. And I'm Kim. And we're here to suggest that mathematizing is not about mimicking or rote memorizing, but it's about thinking and reasoning, about creating and using mental relationships. That mathematics class can be less like it has been for so many of us and more like mathematicians working together, learning together. We answer the question, if not algorithms, then what? All right, y'all, on Facebook, we got a really cool message from Amanda McTavish Watson, who said, I got a teacher appreciation card from a young lady this week that said, thank you for helping me think, in all caps, T-H-I-N-K, think, math, made me cry, honestly. I always praise my girls for thinking math. It's not a favorite for many girls, and men dominate the STEM world. So here's one for Pam Harris and teaching kids to think math rather than do math. Amanda, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That is amazing. Um, super cool. Super cool that your student recognized you during Appreciation Week when we got this. It's a little uh, a little while ago, but we're so appreciative that you sent that on. And way to change um, these young women's lives. That's excellent. 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 Thank you. I love, 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 love when people share what they're doing and how their kids are thinking based on what they're learning from you. It's so fantastic to hear. Nice. Think math, not do math. Very yeah. Cool. Okay. So in the last episode, we introduced the idea of a clock model for adding and subtracting fractions. It is such a great tool. Woo-hoo. And we asked for which denominators would this model be helpful? And we asked y'all to think about what those would be. Yep. So, okay, so, so pause if you haven't, if you haven't thought about it, pause first. Okay, go ahead. All right. So that would be anything that is a factor of 60, right? Yeah. Thinking about minutes. Yeah. Clock model, minutes, that sort of makes sense. So with money, we get 100 factors of 100. And with clock, we get 60 factors of 60. Totally cool. When we started talking about fractions, I quoted a dear friend and colleague, Garland Lincolnhoger, who said, if you really understand fraction equivalence, you do not need any rules for fraction operations. You can just reason your way through the operations. So true. So cool. Garland, I appreciate you throwing that out for me years ago. Let's get right at continuing to do that. So today, let's do another problem string to help build equivalence using addition and subtraction. All Are right. you ready? <laughs> I think I'm so. Gonna I'm, give you, I'm, gonna I'm give on you the some hot problems. seat. <laughs> All right. All right. So you're thinking about a clock model today, and I'm going to ask you the first problem, which is three-fourths minus one-third. Three-fourths minus one-third. So instantly, I'm thinking not money, because one-third, money, yuck. Uh Clock, nice. I could think about a third of an hour, so that's going to be really brilliant. So let's see. The first thing that comes to mind, I'm going to go ahead and do minutes first, even though actually five-minute chunks came to mind first, but I'm going to do minutes um, in an attempt to kind of keep everybody with us today. Okay. So I could think about, well, and actually, 
In our last episode, we promised that we would do fractions that were more than unit fractions. So I'm just going to remind you that in the last episode, if you haven't listened to uh, that one, go check it out because we really talk about unit fractions. And today we're going to talk about how we can think about non-unit fractions. So three-fourths, that's a non-unit fraction. The the, uh, numerator is not one, three-fourths. So I could think about one-fourth on a clock, and then I could think about three of those Mm one-fourths. And so that sort of puts me at one-fourth is 15 minutes. So three of those one-fourths would be 45 minutes. So I just wrote 45 sixtieths, 45 minutes out of the 60 minutes. And one-third, I could think of on a clock, is a third of an hour. 60 divided by three is 20. So that's like 20 minutes out of a 60 minutes. So 20 sixtieths. So now I've got 45 sixtieths minus 20 sixtieths. 45 minus 20 is 25. So 25 sixtieths. That would be one way of solving the problem. Three-fourths minus one-third. Nice. I'd like to do another way uh, for for fun. And this is actually the way that came to mind first. I'm going to use five-minute chunks. So where are the five-minute chunks? Just to review a little bit, five-minute chunks are sort of the numbers on the clock. Every time that minute hand goes to one, that's five minutes to two, that's 10 minutes, right? Another five-minute chunk. Three, that's 15 minutes. It's another five, three five-minute chunks. So I'm going to think about three-fourths of an hour in terms of five-minute chunks. Three-fourths of an hour is over there on the nine. And so that's nine out of 12. So it's like nine-twelfths. Mm-hmm. And then that one-third, we decided it was on the 20 minutes or the four. So that's four twelfths. And so nine twelfths minus four twelfths is five twelfths. I could kind of ask myself, five twelfths, where am I on a clock? Five twelfths. That's like 25 minutes, right? Hey, that's what we got when we did minutes. We got 25 at 60th, 25 minutes out of 60 minutes. So five twelfths, 25 60th, sure enough, same place on the clock equivalent. Bam. Nice. All right, here we go. What right, is nice problem. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> three fourths minus a sixth? Cool. One. I've already thought about three fourths a little bit. So one mm-hmm. six. So y'all, if you're listening to the podcast, you might pause it right now and see what you're thinking about. In fact, you could have paused it before a little late on the game for me to tell you that, but maybe think, maybe pause a little bit and think about three fourths minus one six. Think about how you would do it and really push yourself. If you've never used a clock model to think about it using a clock and maybe even a couple different chunks of time, and then come back and, and hear how I'm thinking about it. So let's see, three-fourths minus a sixth. I'm going to go ahead and do minutes first. So three-fourths of an hour is 45 minutes out of 60 minutes. And one-sixth of an hour, if I think about an hour, 60 minutes divided by six, that's like 10 minutes out of 60 minutes. A sixth of an hour, 10 minutes of 60 minutes. So now I've got 45 sixtieths minus 10 sixtieths is 35 sixtieths. Cool. So I'm going to hope that when I do this with five-minute chunks in a minute, 35 sixtieths that I land on the seven. 35 mm-hmm. minutes is on the mm-hmm. seven. Okay, cool. So I'm going to think about this in five minute chunks. Three fourths of an hour, again, over there on that 45, that's like the nine. So nine out of 12, nine five minute chunks out of 12 five minute chunks. And then a sixth, a sixth, we decided was at the 10 minute mark because 60 divided by six is 10. So 10 minutes. What is that in terms of five minute chunks? 10 minutes is like two five-minute chunks. So that would be two five-minute chunks out of the 12 five-minute chunks, two twelfths. So I've got nine twelfths minus two twelfths. That is seven twelfths. And bam, I'm on the seven o'clock, which is what I was hoping for because I'd also gotten 35 sixtieths. That's the seven o'clock and now seven twelfths. Um, There we go. All right, cool. Nice. Good. All right. All right. Bring it on. One more problem. You're on a roll. What is 11 twelfths? Minus five six. 
seven twelfths minus five six. Y'all on a clock model, it's just screaming at me. But I'll go ahead and talk through my thinking process here. Uh, remember, remember, pause a little bit, think about eleven twelfths minus five six, and see see what you're thinking about. See if you can push yourself to use a clock model. Okay, eleven twelfths is screaming at me that I'm at the eleven out of the twelve five minute chunks. So it's kind of like if I'm thinking about. You know what actually comes to mind? I'm thinking about a TV show and I'm saying to myself, I got five minutes left. Now mm -hmm. there's dating myself because I know nobody these days actually watches TV on the hour anymore, right? <laughs> <laughs> like it's all like whenever you're streaming, whenever you're streaming, which is say, true for me. But when I was growing up, uh, everything was, you know, on the hour. And so I would have five, and you don't care. All right. So 11 twelfths um, means I'm at the 11 o'clock and five sixths, five sixths. Well, I can think about one sixth. Of, a, of, a, of an hour of 60 minutes is 10 minutes. And so five of those 10 minute chunks puts me at the 50 minute. So I'm kind of at the uh, 55 out of 60, subtract 50 out of 60 is just five, five minutes out of 60 minutes or five sixtieths. But I was actually thinking about that as the 11 o'clock minus the 10 o'clock mm -hmm. and 11 o'clock or 11 twelfths minus 10 twelfths is just one 12th. Cool. So I hope you can see everybody that as I'm sort of solving this using different chunks of time, that one of them usually falls out to be the most simplified, not all the time, but often it does, but that's not the most important. I think we put way too much emphasis in the United States on simplifying and finding the most simplified answer. And I'll be frank with you. I think it's a lazy teacher thing. I think it makes it easier to grade. And so we have just over time demanded that kids always simplify their answer. Um, it makes it easier to grade and teachers have just been sort of lazy. Now, I'm not suggesting that maybe that's why you do it. Uh, maybe you're not lazy. Maybe that was just the way you grew up. Your teachers did it, uh, ask you to give you the most simplified answer. Textbooks do it. And so we just kind of have gotten this um, convention that we always do it. I'm pushing back on that convention. I don't think it's necessary. I think it is far more important that we find equivalent fractions, that we really develop equivalencies, and that we use a denominator that makes the most sense, makes the most sense for us to solve the problem and makes the most sense in the context for the answer. The answer might actually want um, one that is not the most simplified. So I'm going to push back on this idea that has to be the most simplified while pointing out that if I am flexible, mm -hmm. I can often use a different chunk of time and get the most simplified. Um, or take the answer that I've gotten and then use a, uh, a chunk of time to simplify it. Let me give you an example. If I had just done the problem that we just did, 11 twelfths subtract 5 sixths, the answer we got the first time I did it with, with minutes was 5 sixtieths. Once I got that 5 sixtieths, I could actually stay there on that 5 sixtieths and just, what's the word I want? Just hang there a minute and think about 5 sixtieths in terms of chunks of time. I could say, well, 5 sixtieths, that's, let's see, five minutes out of 60 minutes. That's like I'm on the one o'clock, right? For where where am I? If five minutes have gone by, I'm on the one. And so I could say, well, that's just like one out of the 12. Bam! Right. And I've simplified. I've simplified using my understanding of, uh, of equivalencies. But I, I'm going to suggest don't go there too fast with students. In other words, we're trying to give you an example of how we are suggesting use problem strings, use addition and subtraction of fractions to help students build equivalencies. You're going to work against yourself a little bit if when you do that, you always push for them to find the most simplified version of their answer every time. If you push every time, okay, I saw that you just used pennies, but now simplify it. 
or I saw that you just used pennies, look, I'm back in money, or I saw that you used minutes, now simplify it, or I saw that you used 10 minute chunks, now simplify it. If you're, if that's always your like gut, like go to like thou shalt emphasis that kids are going to leave, uh, they're going to lean away from the idea of just uh, like, oh, how can I use this clock model to think about equivalencies? And they're going to be, it's all about the answer. It's all about the answer. Yeah. And they're going to do one and only one way. They're going to do the way that comes quickest and easiest. They might yep. use a calculator if they can't. Like we don't want to emphasize answer at the expense of thinking about equivalencies and relationships. Right. Okay. Sorry. I totally just like That's broke okay. into that string. No, I, think so have, good. I think I have one more problem, right? Yep. One more. All right. Okay. Here we go. All right. Four and one fourth. Mixed number. Mm-hmm. It's a third. Four and a fourth subtract a third four mm-hmm. and a third. so we promise you guys a mixed number we want to make sure we got at least one of those in there and really nothing changes i'm still going to use um, a clock to help me think about what's going on um let's see so four and a fourth it's almost like i've got four hours and a quarter of an hour and i'm going to subtract a third of an hour hmm i'm thinking about that I, yeah, it's, it's screaming at me. I'm going to do minutes first, even though the 12ths are screaming at me. I've gotten much better at the 12ths at the five minute chunks over time. I'm going to do minutes first. So I've got four, sort of four hours and a quarter is four hours and 15 minutes. So I'm going to write four and 15 sixtieths, subtract a third of an hour. A third of an hour is like 20 minutes out of 60 minutes. So I've got four and 15 sixtieths minus 20 sixtieths. I'm thinking about that on a uh, number line, actually. I could do it on a clock. I could think about, now I'm going to do it on a number line. Four and 15 sixtieths. And if I subtract 20 sixtieths, I'm going to subtract 15 sixtieths first and land on the four. And now I've got to subtract another five five sixtieths or five minutes. And so four hours minus five minutes, that's like three hours and 55 sixtieths. That would be one way to solve that problem. Three hour, three and 55 sixtieths, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Now I'm going to go ahead and do five minute chunks. So four and a fourth is like four and a fourth of an hour is like on the 15. So that's like three, the three o'clock or three, five minute chunks out of 12, five minute chunks. So four and three twelfths. I'm supposed to subtract a third. A third is like um, at the four o'clock. So that's four, five minute chunks out of 12, five minute chunks, four twelfths. So I've got four and three twelfths minus four twelfths. So again, I'm sort of at four and three fourths, four and three twelfths. I'm going to subtract three twelfths to get at four. I've got to subtract one more twelfth. What is four minus a twelfth? That would be three and eleven twelfths. Nice. Yeah. And I'm sort of, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking back. You guys can't look back because unless you're writing along with me, but I had three and 55 sixtieths or three and 11 twelfths. And sure enough, those put me at the same place on the clock, right? 55 right, right. minutes and the 11 minute. Yeah. Yeah. We're good. Woo! good. All right. So great. So we today used, uh, actually last week or the week before used money to work with denominators that were factors of hundred. And mm-hmm. then we've been working with a clock to create equivalents with factors of 60. But what about when there's denominators that are both factors of 160? Bam. Right? Well, that's when we give kids choice, right? Absolutely. Student choice. Absolutely. Yep. 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 <laughs> In fact, I'll, I'll tell on us a little bit. We were thinking about the problem string to use for today, and we had a couple problems that were too choosy. And we thought, ah, no, for this one, let's just make it like you have to use a clock model. You can't use either one. Uh, maybe in the future someday we'll do uh, some work in an episode where we have some some choose your model problems. And maybe I'll just throw out an example 
uh, where you could sort of choose your model. Um, an example would be something like a half minus a tenth. Like I can, yeah. I can use money and money sort of screams, but I could also use a clock. No problem. Yeah. Maybe make it a half minus a 20th and maybe you feel even more like being on a clock. Um, but, but anything that is a denominator of both 160, ah, then you have a choice and you could use either model, uh, whichever one feels sort of right to you at the point. And that's the real power. The right. real power is when people have the power to choose, not just one way to solve a problem, that traditional way where we just only thought about one way. So you might be asking yourself, okay, what about problems that have denominators that aren't factors of either 60 or 100? Well, we've built enough experience around equivalence by working with these models regularly that now we're ready for some double number line work mm -hmm. and ratio table work to help students make sense of any denominators. So stay tuned to the podcast. We'll do more on that in later episodes. But the work with money and clock models lays such a great groundwork and now students' fraction sense is so much better. And to be clear, once you have students really good at fractions and money uh, using those models, so many of the problems they're ever going to hit in their life could be solved with those. Sure. Now, maybe not the problems that they hit in higher math, though honestly, often they are. There are other denominators and we do need to work with them. But so many of the problems that they're ever going to hit, they could just think clock or money and bam, they're done. They don't have to have, they don't have to reach into rote memory to do anything, nor do they even have to reach into anything more sophisticated than just using clock or money. So here's a way to summarize what we've been doing in these last few episodes. Our friend Kathy Hale said, it's, it's like you're using common situations, context, models to help students develop common denominators or the need for common denominators. Yep, that's exactly it. Thanks for that, Kathy. We were in the middle of a workshop and she kind of raised her hand. She's like, I get it. I get it. We're using clock and money because there are these common situations, context that kids deal with every day to help motivate the need for them mm -hmm. to find common denominators. Now, teachers, you might be thinking, Pam, you don't understand. Our kids these days, money and clock, those are not common contexts. Those are not right. common situations. They don't deal with change anymore. They don't read analog clocks. Okay. Okay. Kim and I will grant you that. We will grant that maybe our students, okay, not even maybe, <laughs> that our kids have less experience with money and reading, especially reading analog, analog clocks, telling time, having a sense of of the relationships among 60. All the more important that we do this work with them so that we teach them both money, a sense of money and time and equivalencies with fractions at the same time. Like this is going to be important. We cannot have students lose the sense of these important denominators of, of 100, uh, factors of 100 and factors of 60. So we agree with you. Yes, your students have less experience with those. Then let's give them experience. If you're a teacher of younger grades, you've made it this far in the podcast. Absolutely wonderful. Do more work with your students with money and, and, and time. If you're a teacher who's teaching fractions, do work with the money model and the clock model to help your students both uh, create both relationships, the relationships with money and time and the relationships with uh, equivalencies with uh, common denominators. So, so we get it. We get it. But it, that all the more important to do this kind of work. 
All right, fabulous. Remember to join us on Master at Chat on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram on Wednesday evenings as we explore interesting problems with the world. If you're enjoying the podcast and find it helpful, please rate it and give us a review. That way more people can find it wherever they get podcasts. So if you're interested to learn more math and you want to help yourself and students develop as mathematicians, then don't miss the Math is Figure Outable podcast because math is figure outable. Thank you for listening and making math more figure outable. Remember, we're going to be opening registration for the Math is Figure Outable challenge soon. Mark your calendar from May 15th through 17th. You are not going to want to miss these free PD evenings where you'll learn four routines you need in your classroom that are naturally engaging and encourage students to think mathematically. And remember, if you can't make those times, registering gets you access to the recordings. Keep making math figure outable.